Hi, and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and in each episode, I will discuss and explore the key challenges facing family businesses today. As a family business advisor, I'm passionate about helping families to overcome the complex and unique challenges that come from being in business together. So if what I cover in the show resonates with you, I'm here to help, and I would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me at fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ. You can also sign up to the newsletter there and receive the latest blogs, podcasts and videos directly in your inbox. I would like to thank my friends at the Institute for Family Business for their continuing support for what I'm doing with this show. The IFB is a unique community of family businesses with common challenges, interests, values and goals. To find out more about their work, visit ifb.org.uk. Let's get on with the show. Hi, welcome to this week's episode. I hope everyone is doing well wherever you're listening in the world. This is actually going to be the last episode of this year. So what I thought I would do, I'll start off with a little bit of a a reflection really on what's been uh, an interesting year to say the least. I'm sure it's been with its challenges for, for everyone that's listening as well. So I just thought I'd give some of my own thoughts and reflections on on what's been a busy year and then I'm going to be talking about what potentially could be seen as quite a morbid topic but hopefully it's something that will be far more inspirational than it is morbid so I'll get on to that a little bit but looking back at this year I can't quite believe we're in December already. The second part of this year seems to have absolutely flown by certainly compared to the first part of the year when pandemic first hit and we we all had to adapt what we were doing and, and how we were doing it and you know, reacting to what was going on in the world and it, it time seemed to slow down for a little bit but it certainly seems to have sped up towards the end of this year. I don't, don't know whether that feels the same for you or not. The beginning of this year was actually really interesting for me because Rightly or wrongly, I decided to to launch my own consultancy business. I'd uh, been doing my family business consulting work under a different umbrella up until that point, but decided now was the time to step out on my own and, and create my own business. And that decision was made in January before the scale of COVID was really on anyone's radar. And as my, I had a three month notice period, and as that wound down, the sort of severity of COVID became more and more apparent and I launched on the 1st of April mid lockdown in in the UK so it's been an interesting start to life in business I've had to adapt things I'm using far more online stuff which I think most people have now and uh, it's actually helped to a certain extent because the the option for face-to-face perhaps isn't there so much now so everybody's using Zoom or Teams or whatever tool you've got access to and so it's actually helped break down the barrier that can sometimes be there from online forums like that. So that, that's that been a, can I say a positive, possibly not a positive, but, but at least a silver lining to, to the particular cloud of, of having to do everything online. It's certainly been a learning experience from, from that perspective. And I want to thank everybody for continuing to support the um, podcast. Obviously, my friends at the IFB are continuing to support what I'm doing here and you the the listener have been getting in touch and sending me nice messages which has been very nice to see and hear as well so thank you for that also thank you for those that are signing up to the newsletter I decided a little while back to start a newsletter 
to share a little bit more around the content I'm creating for family businesses. So as well as this podcast, I have a, a blog that I write, which is at familybusinesspartnership.com. Um, I also have a YouTube channel where I put some videos out for uh, certain topics. Uh, if you search for Russ Hayworth on YouTube, you'll find that. And so the newsletter is a way really to kind of put everything in one place and deliver it directly to your inbox. So if you're interested in receiving some of that stuff, head over to the podcast website, which is fanbizpodcast.com, and you can sign up to the newsletter from there. What are we going to be speaking about today? Well, tis the season to be jolly and all that. So I thought I would talk to you about the top five regrets of the dying. Now, you might be thinking, thanks, Russ. Cheer us up. Uh, It's a festive season. You're talking about dying. And the point of this episode is not really to focus on the the dying bit of that statement. I'll explain the context behind why these are the top five regrets in a a little bit, but I've been aware of these for probably five or six years now. And when I first read them and and started thinking about them, it provided me with some context for my own life and how I have the opportunity to make sure I do everything I can to try and avoid these regrets in my own life. And for those that are familiar with the top five regrets of the dying, this will hopefully be a useful reminder. For those that aren't familiar, I'd like to introduce you to them. And they were written about by a palliative care nurse called Bronnie Ware. In her time as a palliative care nurse, she grew very close to the patients that she was caring for. They were obviously at the end of their lives. And she had very honest and open discussions with them about life, about death, and about regret. And she documented these regrets as a way of highlighting that when we are faced with our own mortality and we're reflecting on our lives looking backwards rather than forwards, there are many things that we wish we could have told our younger selves. There is a link in the show notes to the book that Bronnie has written, and I recommend you check out her website and and her uh, literature because it's I find it um, fascinating. So in summary, the top five regrets are number one, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Number two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Number four, I wish I'd had stayed in touch with my friends. And number five, I wished that I had let myself be happier. So I'll go through each of those regrets during this show and give you my perspective on it and also some of the experiences I've had with working with family businesses and how I've seen the potential for some of these regrets to be present in the scenarios that I've been working with. As I say, it's not meant to be a morbid or depressing listen it's much more about how I think we hopefully we don't know what's around the corner but hopefully we have time to make changes in our lives or have discussions in our life that mean that we avoid these regrets and if our older selves are looking back at us now I wonder what they would say to to us and and I hope that this gives you some um, food for thought and the opportunity to reflect over the Christmas period and as we make plans to head into 2021 
So let's have a look at the first regret then. This one is, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Now, for me, it's quite clear to see how this can apply within a family business setting. And it's a bit like having your sort of destiny laid out before you with no real choice. And I'm reminded whenever I think of things like this, of that scene from the beginning of Lion King, where Simba is held up to the pride lands and they all bow down and the future king is presented. And at that point, the life that's expected of him is kind of laid out before him. There's no discussions, no choices. The path to him becoming king is set. And this is obviously an extreme example because there's only so many career choices for lions. But the fact that Simba, simply by being the firstborn, had his choices, responsibilities and expectations dictated to him, it's not an unfamiliar scenario within a family business. Now, this isn't an issue if the next generation are as passionate or, or are at least passionate about what it is that the family business is doing and they want to follow that path. And in those circumstances, everything should be done in order to encourage that and make that transition as smooth as possible. But very often I hear when I'm working with family businesses that parents say things like there is no pressure on the next generation to join the family business. There's a place here if it's needed, but there's certainly no pressure to join. And whilst this might not be explicit or intentional, when I then speak to the next generation, they tell me that there's still this kind of unspoken, unaddressed pressure, not directly from, from the parents, but almost by the presence of there being a family business. There's this unaddressed pressure to join or at least contribute to that business. And I think this is what needs to be addressed and discussed and in a number of scenarios where it, it almost happens by accident that the eldest child and in a lot of cases it's the eldest son becomes the person who takes over the running of the family business and there's not a huge amount of discussion you know you, you would have been working within the business in your summer holidays and sort of growing up around it and taking in everything to do with the business over the, the course of your childhood into young adulthood and not really having the discussions as to what you actually want to get out of life and what you want to be in and who you want to become. And the option for going into the family business is there. It's something that people are used to and perhaps it's a path of least resistance when it comes to, to a career choice. But actually, if it's not something that you are that passionate about or, you know, if your family business are manufacturing widgets and your passion is not to manufacture widgets, it's to go and become a, uh, uh, an artist or become a plumber or whatever it is that you want to want to do with your life. Having those conversations and having the courage to live that life true to yourself, not what's expected of you. I think can be really empowering and really liberating. And for me, in order to encourage that, discussions need to be held on a regular basis. We heard in last week's episode, if you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend listening to it. Tom Deans talks about an annual conversation where he and his family basically say, do you want to buy shares in this family business? 
at full market rate now. You, you've got your dollars or your pounds to spend and you can spend that on buying shares in, in the family business. And that's a conversation that's had on an annual basis where options are explored and discussed and information's given. And that deals very much with the ownership of the business. But if we're having similar conversations around a role within that family business and linking it back to what you want to be and what you want to do, then that can be a good thing. The fact that it's regular means it's not an awkward conversation because it's something that you get used to having a chat about. But also our wants, needs and priorities change over our life. At 18, I'm not sure it's so long ago, I'm not sure I can even remember what I wanted to be when I was 18. But it certainly wasn't what I'm doing now. And even at 22 and 25, I would have changed my mind on what career path I wanted to follow. But, but I was always open to that. It wasn't something where I felt as if my future was dictated to me by my circumstances. I was open to the challenge of exploring and looking at what it was that motivated me and what I wanted to do with my life. I was driven by my desire to have a, a positive impact. And the best way for me is to, to do that through what I'm doing now. And but, but being open to those conversations, being open to exploring that is something that I think is important and can often be missed if, you know, this accidental path into working within the family business happens. I mentioned right at the beginning of this year with the series on governance that something like a family charter outlines how the family can set the path for discussions around the role of next generation in the business. And it might seem as if that's a bit of overkill to have a, a family charter or, or a constitution, whatever you want to call it, that says, well, this is how we deal with our next gens. But it does stop that accidental element of, well, I've been in the business for five years, I've limited my options, it might not be what I necessarily want to do for the rest of my life, but it will do for now. And then all of a sudden, we're 20 years down the line, looking at it from the perspective of I'm a, about to become the managing director of this business. And so my viewpoint on this, my suggestion on this is that as a family, you have those discussions around the options that are available for the next generation and do it on a regular basis. Do it as part of a family meeting do it as part of something that means it is it becomes normal. It's not something where we, we're challenging each other on our views on that, but more so let's find out what it is that we want to do with our lives because it's not a rehearsal. We can't come back next time and say, well, I've always wanted to be a plumber and next time I'll do that because we, we don't get that opportunity. So that would be my suggestion on there. It's quite a simple suggestion. It's not necessarily so simple to implement but it is something I recommend is done, is, is having that conversation around what it is you want to be doing with your life and how your family business can play a role in that. doesn't need to be something that's set in stone because, as I say, people's options and choices change as their life develops. But by making it something that you are doing on a regular basis, it makes it easy to adapt to those changes. It also allows the business to plan more as well just as a result from from the 
business perspective is if it's got clarity on the likelihood of the next generation joining the family business it then gives context around business continuity or succession planning and how to deal with those transitions as well so that it's multi-layered in terms of some of the benefits that can come from that and it is reliant on there being honesty in those conversations so as I've said on previous episodes, having an environment where you can talk and communicate with each other in an open and honest way. If that needs to be facilitated or chaired, then um, there are people out there that can help with that. But the importance is having those open and honest conversations around what it is that people want to do with their lives and, and the role the family business can play in that. So that's my thoughts on the first regret. As a reminder, the, the regret is, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And in order to avoid the sort of pain of looking back on your life with any form of regret in having missed that, my belief is that we should be having more open conversations and perhaps exploring ourselves, raising our own self-awareness on what it is that makes us tick, what motivates us what it is that we want to be doing with our lives. It's a process I went through myself and I'll explain a little bit more about that later on, but it, it is liberating. I, I found it very liberating. So that's the first regret. The second on the list is I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Now I'll admit it, I'm as guilty as the next person on this. And if I'm honest with myself, I probably spend too much time working as opposed to taking time out and doing other stuff. But for me, a lot of that is driven by the fact that I love what I do and I'm very passionate about it, particularly things like the podcast. It is something that I'm very passionate about and I enjoy. And so it doesn't really feel like work when I'm doing it, particularly when you get so many great guests on from around the world. It's uh, it's a fantastic experience for me as well. So it does, doesn't feel like working. But for me, it, it's about balance. And I think my lesson going into 2021 is to perhaps find a bit more balance between working in inverted commas. And, and there's a, a lot of stuff that I find a huge amount of fun that I don't really consider working, but would come under that bracket that I perhaps need to balance off with some other stuff so that I ensure that the balance is is there in my own life and I'm fortunate that I do something I'm passionate about so you could argue well why don't you do that more but that balance and finding a way of living my life personally that isn't to the detriment of my health relationships my overall well-being is clearly going to involve getting that balance right between uh, work and life it's something else I have a relatively strong view on is there is no such thing as a work-life balance. It is just life. And for me, time is our most valuable resource and it's one that we cannot replace. And our businesses and how we spend our days should act as enablers to allow us to spend our time well. And for many of us, I think that's why we got into business in the first place, is to provide a lifestyle that we enjoy but finding that balance between working too hard and then working hard enough to achieve this can be really tough. And so finding the balance, I think, is a, a really important step in this. Finding time to spend with friends and family, the, the next regret touches on that a little bit more. But finding time 
to spend on creative outlets beyond our businesses, on our physical and mental health, should become a virtuous circle. Having that discipline to do this can be tough. I find it tough to, to do that. I probably spend too much time sat at my desk and not enough time out in nature and, and enjoying things. But, but I think for me, my ambition in 2021 is to find the discipline now so that I avoid the pain of regret later on. Because for me, as I say, time is our most valuable resource and we can't get that time back. In a family business scenario, being accepting of a need for a balanced lifestyle might also need to be part of any conversations around succession planning and the role of the next generation within the family business. I've come across many cases where the senior generation in the business feel that the next generation have it too easy. They're going into a business that is already built. They haven't had to, to build it or they haven't had to transform it in the way that they had to transform it or whatever the scenario might be. And the view very often is that the next generation should need to have to work at least as hard as the senior generation had to in order to then enjoy the benefits of working in or owning the family business. So if you contrast this with the view from the next generation that they perhaps don't want the business to be as all-consuming as they've seen for it to be for the previous generations. It can be a source of tension in a relationship and it can be a, uh, a frustration in any form of succession planning that the next generation are perceived as not wanting to work as hard as the generation that's gone before. And I think that is an important perspective to understand when we're thinking about uh, succession planning and transitions from generation to generation. And part of that is listening to and understanding each other's perspective. And if there are contrasting views on lifestyle, if there are contrasting views or disagreements on what we think is needed in order to make the business thrive into the future, perhaps understanding that you're going to have a different perspective and appreciating that as far as you're both concerned, you're both right. It's an opinion. It's not easy to convince other parties that they might need to change their views but it can be overcome and, and there can be those discussions that go okay it might not look exactly how I thought it was going to but I'm passing the baton down to the next generation it's up to them to run it how they see fit and coming up to those discussions with an open mind rather than my way is the only way uh, is perhaps a way to, to look at that as well so that regret to summarize I wish I hadn't worked so hard uh, I'm as guilty as anyone, so I need to take my own medicine on this. But for me, it's about getting the balance right. So that's regrets uh, one and two ticked off on, on that list. And the third regret is I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. And again, I think in some of the scenarios that I come across, and it's a, a very easy and very simple statement to make, but if we were more honest about how we were feeling about things there would perhaps be more progression towards what it is we're trying to achieve and I appreciate that expressing our emotions expressing how we feel is not necessarily something that comes naturally to to everyone it's very easy to say well just tell someone how you feel but there needs to be an element of vulnerability in order to to do that and being vulnerable is not easy it's not something that necessarily comes naturally and it may be that we're worried about what 
people will think of us after we've said how we feel. It may be that we can't control people's reactions or we've already decided how people are going to react to what we say and therefore there isn't any point in saying it. And these are all legitimate concerns, but I think for me personally, I have benefited from being able to express how I feel more in in my own personal relationships. It's something that didn't necessarily come naturally, particularly on the the vulnerable side. So the, the kind of I'm scared or I'm angry or I'm worried about this, I'm worried about that. Um, side of my expressing my feelings didn't necessarily come naturally because I guess I, I was a bit worried about how the people I was talking to would perceive me and it was unfounded the people I was expressing those feelings to were my nearest and dearest and so I should never have worried about that but it is difficult with the blurring of boundaries within a family business that if you you know work with your family and you are co-owners and you're both or all working in the business, having conversations about how work is making you feel, for example, might be really difficult because it's all so intertwined and it's also the the boundaries between work, home and the family stuff is, is blurred. And that, that can make it really difficult to have those conversations. But creating environments where you're able to discuss work stuff in a work environment or ownership stuff in an ownership environment and then to be present with your family as a family and be able to express those other views or finding other avenues for expressing those views if it's something that's particularly playing on your mind. I think especially given the current circumstances with the uh, pandemic, looking after our mental well-being is so, so important and If we are feeling concerned, if we are feeling worried about things, it's okay to talk about that. And if you can't find or don't feel comfortable talking to people within your own circle, then obviously there's help and support out there from professional organisations. But also, we we covered this right at the beginning of the uh, first lockdown here in the UK. The use of mindfulness is something that I'm focusing more on currently and more on in 2021, certainly. But but becoming more aware of how I'm feeling and why I'm feeling like that is an important step for me in uh, looking after my own mental well-being. And what I find within some of the families that I'm working with is not expressing how we're feeling can lead to an avoidance on critical subjects and critical conversations can be dangerous if avoided because again we then base stuff on assumption and doing that can create problems that weren't even there in the first place so assuming how someone else is feeling or assuming how someone else would react to how you're feeling can lead to to problems in itself so it's quite hard for me to give a tip if I I don't think I'm in a position really to, to provide a tip on how to get the courage to express your feelings but from a personal experience being able to talk about how I've been feeling in the past particularly during very challenging times has really helped and finding a support network around me that I can talk to I'm part of an accountability group that meets every other Friday morning and we discuss all of this stuff in a way that we wouldn't necessarily do so with our family 
finding a peer group like that, we're, we're all in broadly similar positions with, with our businesses, and finding a group that you can trust and share and sometimes just have a bit of a rant to is a really valuable resource for me. And so it might be something like that would be useful for you in, in your own circumstances as well. So perhaps that's my one tip then is, is to find a group or peer group where you can express how you're feeling in a very safe environment and uh, get some objectivity around how to perhaps deal with that. So that's the third regret. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. And from personal experience, I can recommend the impact of not bottling stuff up. So regret number four is I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. And again, I'm afraid I'm guilty on this one. There are people who I haven't spoken to for far too long. And I think it's probably a little bit more difficult given the current circumstances and our ability to meet up in the same way as we would have done pre-COVID. But that's for me not really an excuse. There's people that I can pick up the phone to and ring and speak to that I don't. For me, the one of the causes of this is the presence of social media and the fact that if I want to find out how people are doing, you can kind of do that on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or wherever it is that your, your friends hang out from a, a social media perspective. The, the problem I find with that is those social media platforms are a window into people's life but what you see through that window is what they want you to see because they're in charge of putting their status up and what photos you see and all that kind of stuff and the reality is the best way for me to find out how people are doing is to ring up and go hi how are you doing and I'm not as good at that as I should be and that again is something that I'm going to be working on in 2021 i've got friends who don't live in the same location as me we swap text messages we regularly say on those text messages it's been so long since we've we've met up or we've spoken let's not leave it so long next time and you know all of a sudden i said this at the beginning of the show all of a sudden it's december and the years disappeared and it's another year where I'll go into to January thinking, right, I must do better to, to keep in touch with people. But I think it's so important. And one of the areas where I think, particularly when it relates to family businesses, is when family and business is so intertwined, having a really good friendship group as part of that sort of balance is very important. If everything in our lives is all about the family business, it can feel quite stifling and it can lead to people feeling trapped and isolated within the family business and back to the the previous regret around expressing how we feel it can be really difficult to find a source of listening to to have that uh, ability to say how we're feeling and, and what we're doing and our friends play such an important role in doing that and so if there are friends that we've lost touch with predominantly because we've been working so hard or we've been you know times flown by because we've been distracted by what's going on in the world for me one of the things I'm going to do is make sure I make much more of a concerted effort to meet up with friends in the new year once we're allowed to do so again that I keep in regular contact not just through social media but actually picking up the phone jumping on a zoom call whatever it might be to actually ask 
you know, how are you doing and and listening and being present and there for, for my friends in the same way that they have been for me. So not too much more to say on that one because, as I said, I'm as, as guilty as the next person of, of not being the best at staying in touch with my friends and I will be doing better in 2021 on that one. Now, the last regret is the one I am particularly fascinated by and it is I wish I had let myself be happier. Now for me the language here is very important because it's not I wish I had been happier, it's I wish I had let myself be happier. Now for me this places the emphasis on us letting ourselves be happier and if that's the case, if it's more in our control than perhaps we think of, perhaps we need to look at how we define happiness how we define success and that's why I find this one so fascinating what I'm reading into this and and I obviously didn't speak to any of the people that were a part of the study that Bronnie Ware did but the fact that they were saying that they wish they'd let themselves be happier would suggest that they had a point of realization in their lives where they thought actually I, I probably had more of what I needed to make me happy than I thought and I hear uh, a lot of time that we're constantly striving to improve what we have and the constant quest for more. And I'm wondering whether that has anything to do with this ability to let ourselves be happier. And I myself am using uh, mindfulness, as I spoke about earlier, to understand what it is that I'm grateful for and I think over Christmas and New Year, I'm looking forward to a period of reflection where I can really sit down and, and reflect on what it is that I'm grateful for. Now, the obvious ones are my family, my other half, my work. Uh, I'm very grateful for that. And the uh, place where I live, I'm very grateful for the fact that I live where I live. But, but also then to understand that the things that bring me joy and bring me happiness are not necessarily linked to what we would typically define as success or what we're told by society without getting too deep and meaningful about it. What we're told by society will make us happy. So more money, more possessions, more stuff. Again, in the sense that my strong belief is that time is our most valuable resource. I also believe that money has no value until you swap it for something. And so the constant quest for more money is meaningless if we're not swapping it for the things that are making us happy. And if you break it down again into what we can swap our money for, we can swap it for stuff, which is the sort of materialistic side of things. We can swap it for some security. So back in my financial planning days, we used to call it a sleep at night fund that you know, the, a tree could crash through your roof or something like that and, and you wouldn't have to worry too much because you had some money set aside for that rainy day. And you can swap it for experiences. And it's experiences for me and it's not grand bungee jumping off Niagara Falls type experiences that I'm talking about. It's just day-to-day -day stuff where you're spending time with the people you love, you're spending time doing what it is that you want to be doing. That for me are the types of experiences that are making me happy and part of me identifying that is also 
linking back to me living a life that's true to myself, not what others expect of me. And in particular, not what society, again, says we should be striving for, this constant quest for more. And again, I've mentioned it already in this show, life is not a rehearsal. So for me, taking the time, I've done it in the past, I'll be doing it again over the Christmas festive break, taking time to understand what it is that makes me happy is going to give me something to focus on during 2021. It gives me my motivation for what I want to achieve in 2021. And it sets a benchmark that is mine, not that of anybody else's. So as I say, I find this one fascinating because it's more of a permission thing than once you get to this level, you will then be happy. I think for me, if I'd have looked at this far earlier in my life, then certain things may well have been different, but who who knows? So as a reminder, this last regret, the, the fifth on this list, is I wish I had let myself be happier. And for me, I'm focusing on the I wish I had let bit, not I wish I had been happier. And I, for one, am using mindfulness and gratitude exercises to help me realise that. So that's the top five regrets. I hope, as I say, it's not been one that's been depressing. I am immensely motivated by the fact that we're here for such a short period of time. Life is precious. We get one shot at it. It's not a rehearsal. And in the grand scheme of things, over the billions of years that the Earth has been around and that humans will occupy it, my 70 to 100, with any luck, is all I've got in order to make the impact I want to have. And that motivates me. It focuses me on a day-to-day basis and hopefully reviewing what these top five regrets has been a source of, if nothing else, just a, a little snippet into how my mind works. So I mentioned earlier on that I had been through an experience where I got to find out a lot more about myself as an individual and I went through a process of learning more about a coaching technique that I now use with the individuals I work with within family business and it became a catalyst for a lot of change in my own life including the establishment of my own business rather than working for somebody else. I spent a week with a fantastic group of people. It was at a vegan retreat in the middle of November in an old stately home. The heating wasn't fantastic. The windows weren't particularly great. The fire was particularly difficult to light and maintain. So it was it was also a cold week, but it was one where there was a lot of time reflecting and learning about ourselves what it was that really motivated us and what was really important to us. And one of the questions that's asked during this process that it might sound a challenging question, but perhaps one to think about over the uh, Christmas period is, if today was my last on this earth, what didn't I get to do? Who didn't I get to become? And who do I wish I'd spent more time with? effectively what will be my biggest regret so again this isn't supposed to be a depressing thought but more of an inspirational one because it focuses our minds on what's really important to us and if it's that important to us what could possibly get in the way of us achieving that 
And I think that is what I took away from the experience that I had in the cold, windy, wet, stately home that I did this particular course on. The conclusion for me of that week is it left me more and more determined to make the best of my life. And I'm going to use the Christmas break to sort of check in on on how I'm doing against what I said I'd do at the end of that process. And my ambition with these regrets, how I plan to use them, is to turn them into positive affirmations. And the affirmations that I've turned them into are, one, I will have the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expect of me. Two, I'm glad I realised I don't have to work so hard. Three, I had the courage to express my feelings. Four, I stayed in touch with my friends. And finally, for me, the most important one is I let myself be happier. I hope that's been useful, slightly different format to what I would normally be talking about on the podcast, but hopefully you won't mind me going slightly off tangent on this one. As I say, we're back in the new year with lots more from me and from other guests. For now, I just wish you all a very happy festive period and I look forward to speaking with you more in 2021. Take care. Thanks for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you found the show helpful, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and remember to subscribe to our newsletter. If what I've covered in the show resonates with what you are facing in your own family business, I can help. I provide consultancy support to family businesses of all sizes, so please get in touch if you'd like to know more. Head over to fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ. Until next time, take care.